Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about YouTube experts versus Harvard doctors, time for patriotic thinkers, communism is spreading, Ben and Jerry's defund the police ice cream, AOC, you can't own that, and COVID tyranny. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There was a very interesting development in Florida yesterday. The uh, very revered conservative governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, announced his new, for the state of Florida, his new Surgeon General. It's a black doctor named Dr. Joseph Ladapo, L-A-D-A-P-O. So they have a press conference and they're introducing this as our new Surgeon General and the media gets to ask questions. But the reason that the media went just apoplectic was because this doctor, uh, number one, very, very highly qualified, a Harvard medical doctor. Um, so he's, you know, very, very well educated and uh, very smart. Also is a UCLA professor and he's going, was a UCLA professor. Now he's going to serve a uh, surgeon general in Florida. But the reason the media was so upset is because this guy has the astonishingly bizarre, crazy idea that healthcare freedom is like still a thing in America. I mean, he actually thinks that a doctor, he talked about things, he was responding specifically to questions related to COVID and mask mandates and shutdowns and vaccine mandates and vaccine policy. And he said, we need to respect human rights, that people have autonomy over their lives and it's not okay to you know, control them. It's not virtuous, it's not right to take away those rights from individuals. The state should be promoting good health, and vaccination is not the only path. It's treated almost like a religion. He's talking about how the medical community and the political types are treating vaccination, says, is treated almost like a religion. We support measures for good health. That's vaccination, losing weight, exercising more, eating more fruits and veggies. We support it all. So he's not a, uh, not a big supporter of any mandates not a big supporter of masks. And the other thing that's driving him, driving the media crazy about him is that he's willing to say pretty much, you know, for the healthy American, uh, there, there is not much risk coming from COVID as many, many doctors have been saying, but instead he's saying, you know, we should focus on the reasons and perhaps do something about some of those reasons that lead people to have such a severe problem related to COVID, which he includes, of course, morbid obesity, diabetes, uh, other underlying health conditions over which people have some control. People don't have control over all underlying health conditions, but some they do. So he's kind of a guy who's respecting the freedom of the person and the autonomy of the individual in America uh, with respect to health care. So, you know, he's right in line with Governor DeSantis. This guy is just, plus he's really nice. I, I didn't grab a clip of the news conference, but really just very engaging, very warm, very cordial. I mean, you could tell he's just a great guy. 
and this is driving the media nuts because they pretty much thought they had the medical community kowtowed and bullied into repeating the left-wing narrative about the necessity for vaccines as the only as the only way to deal with COVID. And I do want to make that point before I tell you the other thing I want to say um, about YouTube in this segment. It is the bizarrest development in America that over the last two years since COVID came along, we've had the politicization of the issue of COVID. So instead of having competing medical doctors' opinions being discussed and weighed and doctors writing papers and explaining things, we've had a sense of authoritarianism overtake the medical community and the medical uh, at the federal and state levels, the medical licensing boards, the medical authorities, state and federal level, to where what they're trying to say is, it had been trying to say up until now, pretty much is with one voice, there is no cure at all for COVID. There's nothing that can help. None of these treatments that everyone's talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, all the other protocols, none of that helps. The only thing Americans should do is just sit tight, stay home and wait for the vaccine. There has never been, as I've had many doctors on my show point out in the past, never been a situation similar to this. We've never had a new disease come along, which in this case appears to have been manufactured in a lab because of gain-of-function research in Wuhan, in China. We've never had the entire medical community just simply circle the wagons and say, the only way to treat this is hang out, stay at home till you're practically dying, race to the hospital, and let them put you on a ventilator. Nothing else works, and most people in the ventilator die. This we have never, ever, ever had. Not that we haven't had agreement among the medical community with respect to various diseases and treatments. Of course we have. But it's based on research and the openness of doctors and researchers to listen to new opinions and new facts. That's what science and research is. It's you test hypotheses and you continue. You take new information. You test it against using a scientific method. All scientific method, all concept of competing opinions being listened to and explored have been utterly abandoned in America's political or, or policy with respect to COVID. It is a bizarre development all by itself. And in particular, the evisceration of the mocking, the ridicule, the uh, attacks on any doctors who won't go along with that protocol unprecedented in America. So you have, and we've had in my show, of course, many doctors, doctors in the Americas, frontline doctors. We've had Dr. Richard Bartlett, who's again coming on next Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday, I think next week. Um, we've had numerous people trying to say, actually, we're practicing medicine out here. We have COVID patients. We had Dr. Robin Armstrong at my conference who talked about the idea that COVID, he was successful in treating COVID in his clinic in Houston using hydroxychloroquine and related protocols and, and just had a tremendously successful outcome. And yet in America, still here we sit, it's still in September of 2021, we sit here with the medical community and the ever compliant media willing to just attack, swarm attack, on any doctor who won't go along with that, with the predetermined, this is the only answer. We don't listen to medicine. We don't listen to research. Even after research emerged, 
showing budesonide, double-blind research, that, that you know the, the pinnacle of quality research, proving budesonide was extremely effective in dealing with COVID, proving that hydroxychloroquine extremely extremely effective in helping COVID patients, even after the research, cannot get the medical community to budge the monolithic establishment medical community to budge off of their vaccines only thing. So this guy getting a position of authority in Florida, really driving the media nuts. Now I'll tell you about YouTube. So yesterday or last night, I actually got an email from YouTube and they have canceled my YouTube channel. I am shut up permanently from YouTube. I'd had warnings in the past uh, on my show. My show has been on YouTube for a long time. I had warnings in the past on two basic subjects saying, you may not, on your show, you may not, it violates YouTube's community standards to discuss anything inconsistent with, and their language on COVID was, uh, they call it medical misinformation. So they're saying you can't publish anything, say anything that contradicts health authorities or the World Health Organization. So when I have doctors who actually treat, successfully treat COVID patients, I'd have my show taken down. I had numerous warnings. I got suspensions a couple times for a week. And now my show has been permanently removed from YouTube. The other subject YouTube attacked my show over was anytime we had a show that related to the issue of election integrity in the 2020 elections. Immediately taken down, scolding letters, no conversation allowed, no conversation allowed about the integrity of the 2020 elections. And the reason I'm doing this in this first five, first of all, I celebrate this new Surgeon General in Florida. I celebrate literally we're in the thousands of doctors now trying to speak up and say similar things to this doctor. But I really want to say and, and have you driven home and just, I want you to appreciate how significant this is. It's just not my show, as you likely know. Anyone who dares to say anything inconsistent with left-wing orthodoxy, left-wing narrative, left-wing truth is punished. And truth isn't really their standard at all. It's not truth. It's not facts. It's not research. It is a predetermined decision in the case of COVID that they are not going to allow anyone to entertain the idea that there may be more effective ways of dealing with COVID except for waiting for the vaccines and then forcing the vaccines and hiding the information about the danger from the vaccines. No one can say anything. And again, it's not about truth. If they took a showdown of mine because I said something false, then that would be very justified. If I claim something that wasn't true, I am very careful on my show, careful on the research I do, careful in posting for you afterwards the documents, the sources of information I have that led me to the stories I covered. So this is YouTube saying, we don't care about truth. Don't you think for a moment that we care about truth? YouTube is saying they decide what the American people are allowed to know what they're allowed to think about, what they're allowed to hear. And no one is allowed to hear in the YouTube world, no one's allowed to hear what is true about efficacious treatments for COVID. No one's allowed to hear it. Even though doctors are trying, they're holding conferences, they're holding the Creating America's Frontline Doctors and other organizations trying to bring truth, real truth, on the ground, treating patients' truth, but what YouTube is saying, no, we decide what people can hear. And truth has nothing to do with what we're deciding. 
Truth has nothing to do with what YouTube is saying. YouTube is not taking me down for lack of truth. They took me down because I dare to say things that they've decided the American people are not allowed to hear. Same thing with respect to elections. They've decided the American people must accept the 2020 elections, and regardless of all of the evidence of impropriety, possible fraud, manipulation, all sorts of massive evidence of election fraud, but you can't, you can't talk about that. And I have said in this program before, I'm pretty much of a, I, I, I want limited government. I do not want government interfering in the private sector. I want freedom. I want the constitutional freedoms promised to us. I want the promise of the declaration. But in America, when you are YouTube and Google and other big high tech, um, you know, the, the modern social media tech companies, you can control what people actually know. You have more power than Pravda media had in the Soviet Union, in communist Russia, because you can control what the, the people, not just in America, people around the world know, but what you allow to be, he to be heard. And they're saying you can't hear these things that we decide are not in line with the left-wing Marxist agenda now taking over America. You can't hear the things that people, even if it's based on research, even if experts are saying, you can't say that. And so I do, and I do not just because it happened to my show. I've said it in the past on my show. I think the government has to take action in some way because the, three, the social media giants literally control the population's understanding of truth. Now, that's a little bit of an exaggeration because if you care enough to watch this show on my website, if you care enough to do your own research, read sources online, go to new apps, new sources, go to Rumble, where this show has been on for months. Go to rumble.com, find this show. Go to Telegram, the great new app that's full of information put up by people who are credible and it's not censored. You've got to be a little bit of an investigator. You have to be a little bit of a researcher yourself to get to truth these days. Because if you're going to rely on the mainstream media and on social media to filter out before it ever gets to your computer screen what you learn and what you know, you'll never have any, any idea what's really true. You'll actually be out of touch with reality. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I want to talk about this. I've used this expression many times as time for patriotic thinkers. We have in our country, we have, I say, communism spreading, Marxism spreading. And sometimes I used to be a few years ago when I would say those words that the uh, Democrat Party has been taken over by Marxists that were watching Marxist agenda. People would say, well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Let's not do hyperbole. It is not hyperbole at all. And I was trying to think of ways to inspire people to recognize it's actually true right now. It's not something that the left has planned, and so maybe 100 years from now, we'll get to Marxism, we'll get to socialism, we'll get to communism. We're right here right now. And I want to just tell one way I thought of, um, I actually had a friend uh, dropping off some stuff at my house yesterday, and she was talking about when her parents, when she was growing up, and her parents lived in Oklahoma, how they used to have get-togethers in their home, and they would look over and, and talk about this list that was prepared and put into the congressional record in 1963. It was a list of the 45 top goals of the communists in the world. The 45 top goals of the communists in the world ever 
ever determined trying to bring communism to inflict communism on the rest of the world. So back in 1963, these 45 top goals were actually read into the congressional record. They're based on the information that was put forth in a book by Cleon Skousen called The Naked Communist. And they're basically trying to say, these are things communists will do to try to bring the communist message to America. You may not recognize it, you may not see it as communism, but this is what they're going to do. And this is really where we are now. We're watching the left do things, and many people will listen to one agenda and the left says and say, no, nah, I don't really think that's a good idea. But another, no, that could be okay. So we assess issue after issue after issue in, in silos or in isolation rather than seeing it from a larger perspective of this is the, the relentless communist march to the overtaking of the world. And at the same is true with respect to the Islamists, the people who want to force Islam on the rest of the world have that same tenacity. And they are, they are tenacious Islamists who want to bring complete Islamic control over the world. They have been steady, relentless, unending, strategic, tactical, push for a while, step back, say, okay, we got to hold back here. But the goal never changes. The Islamists want to take over the world for Islam by force or duplicity. The communists want to take over the world, and they are on the march. And they are A, relentless. B, they're never really totally disheartened. They might recognize something isn't going well, so they pull back from it. But the march, the determination is always the same. And I want to just ask Matt the Wonderful to put up just a few of these, or 45 of these. And by the way, before I get that up, Matt, on my website, americacanwetalk.org, which YouTube cannot take down, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down list of links. I included a list, a link to this list that I'm going to show you is a few items. And this is back, you have to remember, back in 1963. Much, many things have happened in the world since 1963. Many, 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 many things. But here's what the communists had to say even back then. I just picked a few of them. You can put that up now. Okay. One was to promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. If his charter is rewritten, demand it be set up as a one-world government with its own independent armed forces. Some communist leaders believe the world can be taken over as easily by the UN as by Moscow. The concept of using the UN not as a tool for communication, for reaching understanding, for helping nations keep things at peace. The UN as a vehicle to bring about one world government, and that is exactly where we are now. So this was recognized back in 1963. Um, number 15, again, it's a list of 45 things. Capture one or both political parties in the United States. A few decades ago, there was a prominent communist who, in America who came out and said, look, we don't have to keep pushing the Communist Party because the Democrats are embracing everything we're saying anyway. This is where we are right now. They have captured the, the anti-American left, the Democrat Party. Number 17, get control of the schools. And, and we've talked on the schools, the tremendous anti-Americanism that has just flooded into America's schools. Kindergarten through high school into college and grad school, much of academia is smothered and destroyed by the communist agenda. And look what they said back in 1963, get control of the schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers' associations. Put the party line in textbooks. Other things I didn't send to Matt, but they also had in, in their list, we'll discuss it other times, discredit the American Constitution. Call it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step. 
discredit the American founding fathers, present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. The communists work on these kind of things relentlessly over decades. And I want to make a couple of points clear. I know when I say things like this, especially in my speeches, people will say, you can't possibly believe that every single leftist in a public school who is teaching the curriculum they're told to teach, teaching what they're, they're, they're said, this is going to be the history class this year. You know, we're going to learn about the glories of communism or we're going to learn some real truth about the founding fathers. You can't really be saying that every single teacher is part of this communist takeover effort. And the answer is, of course not. Of course not. Many teachers in the public schools just simply teach what they're told they have to teach. The teachers' unions, by the way, another item in their list was getting control of unions. The teachers' unions are run by radical leftists who fully embrace the Marxist agenda. So yes, the public schools have been invaded, but it does not mean that every single teacher agrees with this. And in many other contexts in life, there are people embracing and following on or mindlessly following on to what the communists are trying to do that have no idea why they're doing what they're doing. They don't know why they have become so militant. They don't know why they've become so intolerant. They, don't understand, they really haven't thought it through. All they know is, well, this is what we're doing right now, so I'm going to go along with that. You're going to hear about a USC dean of the law school a little later today falling in that category. It was Lenin's useful idiots. Useful idiots, people who go along with the agenda, not knowing what it is, but they help the left. They help the left push his agenda, and you don't even know, and they don't even know what they're doing. I want to lay this out because we're going to talk about some things in the show today. Um, ben and Jerry's and, and, and uh, Alexander Castro Cortez, and part of what I want to, among the points I want to make, and why I want to get onto this discussion of communism today is there are many ways that communism as with Islamism, but in many ways communism can spread. And obviously there were very aggressive actions taken by communist uh, Russia, the Soviet Union, when they took over their, the uh, Eastern European bloc countries, when they forced communism on other countries. That's one way to take over in communism, just to force it on people. But the other and far more effective, they believe, and longer term effective, is to implant the ideas of communism in the minds of people without them realizing what you're doing, without the people recognizing that what you're being taught, what you're being told to do, what, what you're reading and hearing about is really part of the communist agenda. But you don't know that. And so you go down the path with them, down the path of, well, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, I can go along with that. It's bringing communism to America without you knowing it. And in fact, getting slow, incremental buy-in by you and others because they are presenting their ideas not with a, you know, clobber you over the head, you know, military invasion, but an insidious, relentless invasion into America's culture and society and government and academia and Hollywood and media and newspapers everywhere. And I want to make another really overarching point before we get into talk about Ben and Jerry's and about AOC's latest lunacy. One way that communism, socialism, Marxism, by the way, you know, 
socialism was even viewed by the communists as just a stepping stone to get to communism. Marxism marked his imprint on much of what is happening in the world. But it's all, it, the left tries to um, distract the discussion, tries to uh, minimize or mock the idea that the spread of communism occurring, saying, well, you don't even understand communism. Marxism means this, it requires these three elements, and socialism requires this, and communism is this to try to parse and nuance the words and then call the people who are attacking what they're doing or exposing what they're doing, well, they don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, you know, Marxism involves the government owning the means of production. And so because America, the government is not currently trying to own the means of production in every single industry, therefore, there is no Marxism in America. So goes the argument of the leftists who are fully aware of what Marxism is as incremental step toward that, it's the abandonment of the idea of individual liberty, it's the abandonment idea of the idea of people with, a, with uh, God-given freedoms, and this instead uh, flipping of America back away from founded on the rights of individuals, rights from God, because you were born to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and flipping that and slowly moving away from that where you think the highest and right idea is to do what the collective tells you uh, from the government uh, and political parties. So I want to make that point. Do not get distracted by people who try to say, well, you can't call it communism and socialism and Marxism because those all have definitions. It's all trying to root, trying to dig away at the roots, chip away at the roots, you know, swing an axe at the roots of the idea of America, the idea of a country rooted in individual freedom, as the Declaration recites, because we are, we're all created equal, we have rights from God because we're born. All these isms are just an attempt to destroy America. The other huge overarching point I want to make before I dive into Ben and Jerry's and AOC um, and uh, COVID tyranny is my last one today. One way communists succeed and socialists and Marxists succeed in selling their ugly, evil, tyrannical ideas that have never worked well anywhere, but one way they sell them is through emotional arguments, through sympathetic arguments, and so they twist and contort people's emotions. And so instead of thinking, and this is why I've been saying it's time for thinkers, time for patriotic thinkers, informed patriotic thinkers. We have to be on alert. We have to be wide awake and recognizing what we're being asked to swallow. So for example, back when there was a big discussion in America about welfare reform, it was the late 1990s, and the welfare program had just exploded and it's bigger now, but exploded at that time into a, uh, a government behemoth for one thing, and it was also a force in society that was causing people, it was breaking up nuclear family units because to be eligible, you, you couldn't have a dad in the home, and it was causing people to become multi-generational family reliance on welfare. You literally had families that that was kind of how they functioned, that they had, you know, their, their mother had welfare, their grandmother had welfare, they're getting welfare, and it was just an ongoing way of life. And welfare reform was essentially a, an effort. Now, the Republicans really pushed it. Bill Clinton finally got arm twisted into signing it. But the gist of it was we have to reintroduce the idea of, in some way, incentivizing people to be self-reliant. And that concept 
understanding that when you have people reliant on the government and waiting for the government to provide your food, your housing, your medical care, all of your basic needs, you're really no different than someone living in a communist country. Please process that. When you live in a communist country and you know that the government is the one that provides your housing, your education, your occupation, your health care, everything you need, and you think in communist countries, well, this is how our government is. You know, None of us pursue anything. We don't try to own anything. We, don't, we just wait to be told, and we're taken care of. The masses of peasants in communist countries believe they're kind of okay because they're being taken care of by the government. And this concept was beginning to take hold in American culture. This idea, instead of having the whole robust, self-reliant American spirit, the can-do attitude, the welfare system had evolved into generations of reliance on the government. And you, in some case, ways or aspects of looking at it, you can't even blame the recipients entirely because this is what they grew up knew, knowing. And the government did provide all those basic things. So welfare reform comes along, big discussion in the late 1990s. Back to my point about emotionality trying to interfere with or contort intelligent analysis. There was a news story I watched, and it was, you know, a young single mom. I mean, you know, she was 22 or 7, 23, single mom. She has one baby. She's got the baby old enough to sit in the high chair. She's feeding the baby. The news reporter comes in and says, oh, you know, so-and-so, uh, tell us about your baby. Oh, yeah, this is my lovely little baby, blah, blah, blah. So they're having this little conversation. The news story was designed to contort the American people into opposing welfare reform. And so they're saying to her, this young mom, this 23-year-old single mom, well, you know, what are you going to do if welfare reform passes? Because, you know, you're going to have to get a job. And she gets teary. She's like, you know, this is, I, I really want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I thought these people cared about, you know, moms and babies. And I, I really, and if I, if I have to get a job, someone else have to take care of her during the day. And I don't want that. I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And, and um, you know, I, I don't want to have to work. And the news, you know, reporter covering this, you know, closes out with some, and you see how bad it is, of course, welfare reform, look what they're going to do. You know, this is evil. This is a stay-at-home mom, and she deserves to get to stay at home. This was her argument against welfare reform. Now, I wasn't nearly as political then as I am now, but I was pretty political. I'm watching it thinking, but you know, what they're doing is contorting with emotion so you stop thinking rationally. At that point in life, you know, I had friends who were moms, had to go back to work because they couldn't afford to pay their mortgage. They, they were married, they, they, you know, it was two income families, but the moms went back to work because they couldn't afford to pay their mortgage or their whatever, their rent, their bills, and so they went back to work. Plenty of moms went back to work because it never occurred to them to seek welfare because what they thought their job was was to be self-sufficient. So they went back to work, or they sold their home, got a smaller home, or they moved to a less expensive apartment. They cut their expenses if they wanted to get to stay home because they had a breadwinner in the family. The point is, every individual in America, in our system, is supposed to be an individual with personal responsibility and sovereignty and the idea that you are not supposed to be permanently relying on the government. And so I'm telling you that story because that kind of contortion of sympathetic emotions is used by the left over and over and over and over to sell communist ideas to Americans when they don't realize it. In fact, it was how Barack Obama sold 
his socialized medicine program, where instead of, we, America had, leading up to uh, the time Barack Obama was in his first term, President Obama was in his first term, polls showed Democrats and Republicans did not want socialized medicine. They wanted America's uh, medical care, health care system, medical care system to stay free and, and not run by and controlled by the government, but the left, using as they always do, the emotional manipulation. So they bring some family on stage and they had some horrible situation where insurance didn't cover something or insurance kicked in too late and they had a horrible outcome. And of course those things are heartbreaking. But instead of saying, here's a fix we could do to the insurance system in the country, here's a fix that we, that we could do to the, uh, you know, to uh, whatever, Medicaid or Medicare, you know, here's a fix we could make so this won't happen again. Their answer was, because we have now paraded this family across stage and everyone watching is, is teary because something bad happened, now's the time to pounce and say, and therefore, we're going to take over the healthcare system of America, and so they did in Obamacare. Yes, they allowed a little bit of freedom to remain, and we have tried to push back against it over the years. My point is, leftists sell communist ideas using artificial contorted, even if they're true stories, artificial contorted emotional manipulation. It's how they sell communism. It's what they do. And in this country today, we are watching the left just steamrolling over America's freedom, America's founding ideas, Amer just, just the very goodness and greatness of America. And many people are succumbing and going along with what they're doing because it's easier to express, uh, want to be seen by your friends as sympathetic. Oh, I, I care. Of course I care. Yeah, of course I, 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 of course I oppose welfare reform because, you know, um, that, that's cruel. That, that could make someone have to go back to work and they don't want to. I want to lay this seat. I'm going to be pummeling this for I don't know how long, but I want you to recognize that before I get to my stories, I'm about to do it in a moment, but understanding how the left does what they do, how they sell Marxism, how America, because we are not thinking, as I'm telling you from the beginning, we're not looking 100 years from now, maybe uh, you know, we'll, we'll be leaning toward Marxism. We're there. We're there. The American left has been completely taken over by it. The American left is pushing policies of all kinds that are absolutely intended to destroy America the free, America the self-reliant. That's where America is today. So now I want to turn and talk about uh, what AOC does and her little manipulation thing. So uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, an avowed Democrat socialist, member of Congress from New York State, she held a press conference, and I sent this to Matt earlier, and he told me the sound is kind of... I mean, I couldn't hear it that well on my computer at home, and I was asking him, can you make this any better? And it's only kind of better. I'm going to see what she's saying. She's saying you can't own that, or that's my language, what she's saying. I'm going to ask Matt to play it, and then I'll explain. Now, so often, so many of us know what it's like to go home and try to flip on the lights at night or to have an eviction notice posted to your door. And the reason some of these issues are so under-discussed, I was just... Uh, speaking with, with one of our leaders that we'll be hearing from in a few moments, Ms. Vivian Smith, that we are taught to internalize that as shame. We don't speak about these issues because we have been taught that an eviction notice at our door and turning on the lights when they're off is a result of an individual, uh, of an individual shortcoming. When we're talking about one in six renters in this country, facing the street, 11 million people in the United States, there's more than the entire population of New York City being evicted overnight. That is not an individual shortcoming, that is a systemic failure. That's so right, right. 
And so when we talk about folks being kicked out of the streets, it is not them who should be feeling shame. It is this institution. That's that's right. Right. And so we are here to right that wrong. What she's talking about, during COVID, Congress did a, uh, they were trying to protect people who had to stay home because of COVID, couldn't go to work, couldn't get their paychecks, and so they couldn't pay their rent. And so they had a, uh, Congress had a policy basically stopping evictions, saying, you know, during this tough period when people can't go to work because of COVID, you know, we're going to protect people from getting kicked out in the street. So it was a, uh, it was a, a uh, eviction moratorium. The as that progressed and finally realized, you know, the Congress has been sending, you know, billions of dollars to people in aid who are staying home. Um, and they finally realized that you can't do this forever. And this is what Congress realized. And then they, so the eviction moratorium elapsed. The CDC tried to come up with their own eviction moratorium, which was ludicrous on its face in terms of their authority. So the CDC tried to say, okay, we're going to extend the eviction moratorium and tried that, and that eventually got to the Supreme Court to just say, you know, you can't really do that. CDC doesn't have authority to do that. Nice try. You don't have authority. But I want to talk about what she's saying, ask you to really think about this. In this whole context, I'm talking about, about communism. First of all, any of you getting out of the house at all, walking around anywhere in America, in our neighborhood, and everywhere we go, we travel a lot. We see stores, I mean, like every other store or sometimes every store in a shopping center. Help needed. Please help needed. You know, we, we, we're hiring. Come in. And you hear story after story by employers saying, we can't find people who want to work. They can't find people who want to work. They literally, we have lost a contractor we had at our house because he said, I can't get anyone to work. Stores are saying they cannot find people to take jobs. There's a FedEx, I mean, just a basic FedEx office near our house that has a signing bonus if you'll come to work. I mean, signing bonuses used to be for like lawyers and really, really educated people. The point is there are tons of jobs open and yet, so it's not like you can't find jobs and people don't want to work. And so the way what AOC is doing in that little speech, she's paints the picture, she had a, it was a really, really poor sound, but she's basically saying that, you know, this is cruel, that people could possibly face eviction because they get home one day and their lights won't turn on or they have a notice of eviction, and that we, Americans, should not look at that as anything shameful about the people who have the eviction notice or have the power turned off. We should look with shame at Congress. Congress should be ashamed because they aren't continuing the eviction moratorium, that they should keep it in place. No, she never says how long, but ask yourself how, you know, among the ways you could go from a free country to a communist country, you have Congress. She's urging Congress with no apparent limit in, in mind, no limit she's saying, to just make it forever that people can stay in their apartments not be kicked out and not paying their rent. How different are those people than people living in a communist country where you're guaranteed housing no matter what? You're guaranteed housing even though you're not paying your rent. And as I say, there are many jobs open. 
Oh, that was the other thing. Back to that story I told you about the mom who said, you know, she didn't want to have to go back to work. She said, plus there are no jobs around here. I might have to move if I have to find a job, you know, if, I, if welfare reform passes. Well, welcome to America. How many people, I know people and my own family who had to move to find a job. This is life in a free country. So back to what AOC is saying. She's saying that because people may get eviction notices, it's a systemic problem, the, the less favorite word, systemic problem, not the fault of the person who isn't earning money and therefore can't pay their rent. It's Congress's fault for not making living at home free. She's promoting massive and apparently unending dependence on the government with no personal responsibility on the part of the person renting the property. They don't have to look for a job, even though lots of jobs open. On the other side of the issue, there are people who literally make their living by being landlords. They purchase buildings or, and, and they rent them out. They, purchase, they rent out an apartment in their home. They rent out all sorts of properties. Those people, their income, their paycheck, you know, I might go work, if I went and worked at the grocery store, I would get a paycheck from the grocery store. They pay me for my service. Landlords' paychecks are rent payments by the people who rent their apartments. So you can't kick people out. Normally, if people are landlords and they're people living in the apartments don't pay their rent, eventually, it's usually very difficult, but eventually you evict them. So they can't evict them because Congress won't just said you can't do that. They can't get rent payment because the person's saying, sorry, I don't have it. They're stuck. These people are being told, you, don't ha you can't have livelihood. You can't have your income you deserve from the properties you own. You can't have livelihood. You can't take action to restore your livelihood. And you can't get the benefit of the property you purchased. What she is talking about, as though she's trying to sell it as a sympathetic thing, she's talking about steering America away from a society where we expect individual responsibility, personal responsibility, to a society where government, through Congress, through paying money and, and issuing edicts, prevents, it just enables someone to stay in a place not paying rent and not ever expected to pay rent, and a landlord who has no source of income because they're not getting their rent, and that's okay with them too. I want to, I'm, I'm making this point about AOC because she is, she's the queen of selling her communist ideas in ways for the unwearing, the unthinking, the simple-minded to get lured in and say, yeah, yeah, you got to extend those, uh, that eviction moratorium instead of how about you encourage those people to go look for jobs? I understand things are hard. I do. Things are hard for everyone. And you may have to move to find a job. And you may have to take a job which wasn't your favorite thing. You used to have a job over here. Maybe your business clothes that you used to work for. Try something new. But this is part of independence, part of personal responsibility, part of keeping America free. I also want to, the left is the... Um, you know, wins the prize every time for slogans. I don't know if you saw the people standing behind her, behind AOC. Elizabeth Warren was there, and um, the uh, Ilhan Omar was there. They're holding signs saying, keep renters safe. Oh, I see. Now it's safety. You can live forever without paying rent, and the Congress's job is to make sure you feel safe doing that. The other one is, save lives, stop evictions. In both cases, ignoring the factual structure 
of the rental system in America, which is, you know, you rent something you own because you expect to be paid the rent, and that's your income. That's how you, the landlord, the owner, you know, pay your taxes, pay your employees, you put food in the table for your family. It's your income. All that's disrupted by this leftist effort to perpetuate the eviction moratorium for apparently forever. A similar uh, thing, again, I'm just trying to <laughs> drill down, hone down this idea about the astounding ways in which the left is pushing this Marxist slash communist takeover in America. Another one has a Ben and Jerry's. Now, Ben and Jerry's uh, is the ice cream company. Ben and Jerry's, um, you know, I mean, at least in their case, everyone's known they're communists like forever. They're based in Vermont. They're radical leftists. I mean, and they've always been that way. But Ben and Jerry's has a new ice cream flavor out called Change is Brewing. That's the name of the flavor, Change is Brewing. And it is a direct pitch. It's not hidden. Direct pitch. A certain portion of the money you spend to buy that ice cream will go to back Cori Bush's defund the police effort. Defund the police. Another, so, so they're trying to say that, and they're pushing defund the police. They're urging people to go to our website, learn more, make a donation. Defund the police. Let's get rid of police. There's a good idea. I mean, we've gotten to the point of the absurdity in our society where we have defund the police, which is not going so well in the cities where it's happened, crime on the rise, and again, the way that the left contorts everything and uses emotionality. Yes, there are issues of interactions between black Americans and police that were bad and wrong. Some police have police officers have behaved badly and we have a system in place and we you know, we fire some people, we prosecute if that's appropriate. I mean, we have we have cameras everywhere. The police are a are already being closely watched. And even in the past, if we didn't always go after every police officer who was too brutal, and perhaps we didn't, but we're at a place now that the officers are, are barely comfortable going into some neighborhoods because of the crime level, and they're worried about being filmed, and they're worried about being vilified. And this whole concept of defund the police is, it's a, it is a way the left contorts what might have been a good message for example, you know, we need better police training. Maybe we do in some cities, better police training. Maybe we have to have better community police relations. Okay, fine, we have to have that. Maybe we have to have uh, enhanced uh, training for some officers who have engaged in some questionable behavior. You can make corrections and iterations to policing, and we probably always have and always will. But the effort to defund the police is the effort to destroy civilized society. You have to grasp that. Even in the Congress, the Congressional Black Caucus, one of the leaders of the caucus came out during the 2020 election, during 2019, I think it was, and said, defund the police is the dumbest slogan I've ever heard. In fact, there's, there's polling showing in Minnesota that there are more white people supporting defund the police than there are black Americans because especially people in high crime areas and low income areas are perfectly aware they need the police. And yet here's Ben and Jerry's trying to convince you the noble and righteous thing, the great thing to do is stand up with us. We're going to defund the police and send in, I don't know, a social worker. I mean, the whole thing is so preposterous, but back to my list of communist uh, goals, another one they have, I may not find it quickly enough, 
but it talked about invading uh, American business, infiltrate and gain control of America's businesses. I mean, Ben and Jerry's is just is two goofy guys. I think they were friends in college, and they you know they like ice cream, which is fine. I mean, you're going to have lefties everywhere, but they are unashamed at this point of backing a policy that is ludicrous on its face, that no one sensible is actually backing. Even Democrats are saying, you know, we can't really defund the police here. Horrible outcomes already, and yet you have Ben and Jerry's uh, unembarrassed, apparently, about pushing this, unembarrassed that they're pushing this effort to defund the police. And I gotta tell you folks, uh, it is a, um, uh, it's a crazy, crazy world. I wanna go back, so understand, this defund the police is not simply a policy choice that the left may embrace versus the right. It is destruction of America. It's destruction of civilized society. It's the destruction of law and order. When you have in our communities around this country more sympathy for the criminal engaged in violence than for the victim who was, uh, who was attacked, which is happening more and more, more sympathy for the person who breaks into your house at night, more sympathy for the person who steals than for the law-abiding person who's the victim of that crime, you are undercutting, not just undercutting, you're, you're eviscerating the cultural fabric of our society. You can make small changes, good changes, understanding better, helping people you know, get out of a life of crime, but what you're seeing the left do defunding the police is absolute destruction of America. I want to go back to the thing about AOC before I forget about this. So AOC is on her big mission, um, you know, basically saying you can't evict people, and which completely undermines the right of homeowners, of, of apartment owners to do anything. But it also dovetails well. I want to remind you, I mean, I'm always trying to say in this show, the big picture, the big picture. The big picture in the world is that there are globalists, communists, leftists who have wanted, whether the term was you know, one world order or, or uh, you know, the new economic order or some other term, they've always wanted to replace the nation state and the, especially to replace, eviscerate and weaken America to get to the point which they think is a more just government, the big one world order types and one big entity, which many prominent American leaders support and attend this World Economic Forum. I wanna remind you that the book I've talked about before in this show, Klaus Schwab, uh, Klaus Schwab is this guy who is a World Economic Forum guy and he actually is also uh, the one um, who puts on the Davos uh, meeting and so you have Prominent American leaders going to Davos, hearing all of this, um, hearing all this idea how the, the world would be better off with one big government, the UN would love all this globalism, and trying to encourage people to surrender their country's sovereignty, their nation state's identity. So one more point I want to make of this, my thing I'm on today is this idea about the destruction of, um, of, of freedom in this world using the vehicle, uh, uh, getting us toward communism using all sorts of misleading vehicles. COVID, as I mentioned before, yesterday and other days, COVID is being used by the left to push what they've always wanted to push, which is government-controlled society. COVID is being used by the government, I'm gonna say it again, COVID is being used by the government to push government-controlled society. 
It's an excuse. It's a springboard. It is what Klaus Schwab is saying. Hey, we got a great crisis. Let's not let it go to waste. We had COVID-19. Now's our time. Pounce. Go after all the freedom lovers and all the free things we're supposed to have. And we're going to allow COVID to justify the seizing of power in this world. So three quick things on COVID tyranny. So you're seeing tyranny mount over the, all over the world. Uh, again, consistent with this one world order, communist control over everything uh, idea. So I'll tell you three quick things about it. One is um, in Australia, uh, there have been many, many, many marches. Uh, the people are out in the streets. COVID tyranny is rampant, is, is just over the top in Australia. They've been shut down for weeks. They've been uh, and prohibited from leaving their homes. Um, in the UK, they have rules right now about the time of day you can leave your home and the reasons you can leave your home in the UK. Like you can leave between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., but you've got to be going to the pharmacist, the doctor, the grocery store, or some other items like that. I mean, it's that limited. So in Australia, they just announced a shutdown of a construction business again for two more weeks. I'm going to show you the protests in the streets of Australia, in Melbourne, Australia. I think Matt has a clip. Yeah. Okay, and then I want to just remind you about where we are on vaccine passports. This next clip is a little bit entertaining. It's not, it's obviously a spoof to make a point, but in America, we now have COVID passports being required in restaurants in New York City uh, and any public facility, gyms, other places. You can't even get in without your COVID vaccine passport. You can't get in the restaurant. And these are, this is unprecedented control over the American people. Never occurred in American history. And if you've been following many doctors uh, who've been on my show, other shows, there's no justification for it based on the lack of lethality of COVID. Literally meaning 99% plus people survive COVID. And yet we are surrendering to vaccine passports in New York City. It's happening in Los Angeles being proposed everywhere, being proposed on the airlines, that pretty soon will be a society when we're told where we can go based on our vaccine passport status. So someone did this little clip. I can play, I'm only having like the first minutes, like five minutes long, but it's kind of clever, just to kind of a warning where this could end up. Excuse me, oh. gonna need to see your proof of vaccination. Oh. You now we got the new mandate going on. Right, sorry. I have the, um, the app. Oh, Moderna, huh? Heard that one knocks you on your ass. I got the Pfizer. Oh, you're a Pfizer guy. I, I hear Moderna's better, but not gonna judge, you know? <laughs> the new normal. Have a good one. Have a good one. A vaccine passport? Yeah, but I need proof of at least 10 booster shots. Where's the... Okay, AIDS vaccine passport. I'm gonna need to see an allergy test. Lyme disease, chicken pox, H1N1, rabies tag, H1N2. All right, proof of the herpes vaccine. And what about the herpes booster? I literally got it like 10 minutes ago. Okay, it goes on and on. At the end, where I guess it's like five minutes, you guys, you know, anyway, it, it's the joke at the end was that the guy is just trying to get into the laundromat to pick up his dry cleaning. But I, that's kind of fun and kind of funny. But I want to urge you to think about where does it stop? 
when is it going to be okay? Because right now you say, well, we're on COVID. It was a big problem this year. Okay, so you know now we have the Delta variant, and doctors now saying, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine does not protect you against the Delta variant. So now we may have to be talking about a new one, and then another one comes along. My point in recognizing America is to urge you to recognize we're losing freedom in America because we're willing to say, because I'm afraid of COVID, I'm okay with being mandated. I'm okay with being going to show something to have to get in a restaurant. And this is the beginning of the end. We're past the beginning. We're past the beginning of the end of freedom in America. It's why the people in the streets of Australia, they're just saying no. No, we're not going to live like this. We're not going to have the government controlling every aspect of our lives. In America, that's a funny thing now, but in a few years, if more diseases come along and they always have new ones and the new iterations, new mutations, new vaccines, the concept of the government saying, you get, we get to tell you whether you can be out and about, you can go to pick up your dry cleaning or go to the grocery store, or go to a restaurant based on our decision on your health care is unprecedented and is another example. I talked earlier about the manipulation AOC engages in uh, when she's trying to uh, create uh, sympathy with respect to people being evicted. This manipulation, other kind, another kind of emotional manipulation by the left is a manipulation using fear. People get so afraid of COVID that they're just saying, well, okay, I don't really mind if you control everything about my life. Sure. And, and people, we, the time to stand up and resist is now. The time to say America can't go this way. America cannot become Australia. America cannot become the UK. We have to stand up now because the people who apparently have power right now in Washington are going to go as far as they can, as deep as they can, as broad as they can until they're stopped. There has to be a peaceful pushback against the growing tyranny based on COVID out of Washington. And one last little example, then I'll go to why it matters to you. So in uh, California, the USC School of Law, which is a very premier, you know, top school of law, uh, the um, president of the U.S., the dean of the U.S. School of Law, um, Andrew Guzman, has a lengthy list of rules that must be followed for the law students on USC campus, including where you can eat, where you can drink, where you're not allowed to go to eat or drink. Um, and you have to have, uh, this guy is urging USC law students to snitch on their friends. If you see them, for example, inside a classroom building, taking a sip of water out of a bottle, you can't do that. No, no drinking, no drinking in this building. And I mean, you would think this is communist Russia. This is America. And if you don't get people in this country saying no now, you're just, you're not going to get your freedoms back. I'm telling you people, you're not going to get your freedoms back. And one more little picture to remind you about who's, who gets freedom and who doesn't. I sent to Matt and then I'll go back to why it matters to you. One little picture. Okay. You see Hollywood, all these adults at the top, no masks, no social distancing, huggy lovey, you know, take a nice picture and the bottom, your kids in school. And, and as you've learned on this show and other shows, probably children are virtually impervious, virtually impervious to COVID. They rarely contract it. They easily get over it. They don't spread it. And, unless, and except in the case of extreme comorbidities or extreme uh, serious pre-existing conditions, it is not 
dangerous to them at all. If you didn't see my show a few weeks ago uh, with a doctor in Houston, Dr. Angelina Farella, running through the stats, children are not at risk for COVID overall. I mean, hardly at all. And yet, look what they're doing in the schools. This is a the policy of the government in handling COVID is unjustified by the risk of COVID, unjustified by the uh, lethality statistics related to COVID, very bizarre policies by the government with respect to shutting down efficacious treatments in favor of the vaccines, hiding the vaccine data that shows we're now at over 14,000 deaths from COVID vaccines. The government's own data, over 14,000 deaths from the COVID vaccines, and yet we're seeing a push for the vaccine, unprecedented in American history. And, and I'm telling you, friends, the time to stand up is now because America the free is the only reason I do this show, the reason I do my public speaking. I want to stand up for America the free, the great and the extraordinary, and the ideas of the founding of America. And what we're watching happen to America in the last eight months is is utterly inconsistent with the promise of freedom in America, utterly unjustified by the risk we face, and very, very dangerous, especially when you understand the long-term mission of Marxism and communism, which, which is to destroy America the free and the great. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started talking about YouTube experts versus Harvard doctors. YouTube has permanently banned my show on the grounds of COVID misinformation. That's because I explained a law school professor's opposition to masks and vaccine mandates. I wasn't even allowed to explain why he opposed masks and mandates. At the same time, new Florida Surgeon General, a Harvard-educated expert, speaking medical science truth and not the YouTube-approved truth, vaccination is not the only path, Vaccination is not a religion. People are sovereign. They have human rights that must be respected. Left-wing firestorm erupts if anyone won't bow to totalitarian thought control. Americans must recognize and reject big tech totalitarianism. Time to break big tech up. Yes is the answer to that question. And then time for patriotic thinkers. And communism is spreading. 45 goals of communism first read in the Congress congressional record in 1963. Among them, take over public schools. Check. Denigrate American history? Check. Take over one of the two political parties? Check. Infiltrate the press? Check. Infiltrate the churches? Check. Preach social religion as a replacement for revealed religion. These were communist goals. They've all happened. All this happening right in front of our eyes. Communism is patient and persistent. Are Americans too addicted to comfort to recognize what is happening? And if they recognize it, are they too addicted to comfort to fight back? We are going to find out sooner rather than later. And on Ben and Jerry's defund the police, changes brewing is a flavor all about contributing to Cori Bush's defund the police efforts. Ben and Jerry's always been proudly left wing, but do their customers really want to defund cops? I don't think so. Defunding police is ultimately about dismantling American society. Do Ben and Jerry customers really want to dismantle American society? No. Ben and Jerry can make whatever flavors they want and support whatever organizations they want, but customers don't have to buy them, will they? Please don't buy this. Corporate America has bowed to leftist mobs, wrongly relieving 
uh, wrongly believing that they are the majority. Will American patriots force them to rethink? We must make corporate America rethink. That AOC, you can't own that, and that's essentially what she's saying about to landlords. AOC protests the end of the eviction moratorium. Why can't renters just stay without paying rent? This is the audacity and the lunacy of communism. This makes a solution all-powerful government deciding who lives where. This leads to the end of private property. You can't make property ownership work without payment obligations under the law. This is exactly what Klaus Schwab called, called for with COVID-19 and the Great Reset. He actually said, you will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Communism necessarily eviscerates the individual as sovereign and free and responsible. The masses are what's left and they are controlled. Americans must reject AOC and everything she represents. And on COVID tyranny, Melbourne police in riot gear confronting Australian COVID lockdown protests. Protesters are simply working people who want to work. This is what can happen when nation citizens give up their arms. Oh, and by the way, in that subject, we're having a Second Amendment expert next week. Great time to be talking about the importance of uh, holding on to our Second Amendment. USC Law School Dean encourages students to snitch on students not hydrating at the right place and in the right way. An American culture supporting snitches? Communism supports snitches. New York restaurants protesting vaccination passports. People just want to eat. Once a vaccination passport permission concept starts, it will never stop and it will never be limited. It will only expand as a means of control. Americans, we the people must insist on no vaccination passports. I wanna correct one thing I wrote there. I never wanna say, I will never give up on freedom. Even if we get to a place of many passports and many vaccine mandates, the free spirit of America, the freedom is still hardwired, in my view, in a majority of Americans. It just gets harder to push back the more we surrender freedom. So that's why I would say, stand up now. It's easier now than later. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and this is America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can